0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver, joined tonight by Mr. Mike McDaniel. Mike, you're the world traveler, but I'm playing a road game this week.
1: Not only a road game, but you're out in the boonies, Joey. Way out in the middle of nowhere the, in Texas.
0: The boonies, uh, as our Ohio State friends would say. Um, yeah, I'm I'm about halfway between San Antonio and Corpus Christi, and I'm. I'm about the only thing between San Antonio and Corpus Christi right now, so... <laughs> Uh, hopefully the uh, the internet connection here doesn't totally cut out, but uh, I, I couldn't couldn't let you guys down because we got a huge week uh, week nine slate week yeah week nine that's what it is now wow Boonies are getting to me uh, week nine slate in the ACC we had a little bit of a quieter week eight and uh, that was really just the calm before the storm because we got a, a bunch of huge matchups this week and we got to get previewed here, Mike.
1: Yeah, I mean more than four games, so that's good. Our Preview podcast here will be a little bit longer uh, than, well, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, our, our podcast here with Dan last week ended up going pretty long, so we had the whole Boston College discussion at the beginning. So, um, yeah, no, uh, a lot of good games on the slate here. Uh, obviously, Florida State and Clemson being the big one.
0: Yeah, let's start there. First of all, we'll start by saying uh, the, the recap episode went kind of a long time, too. One of the reasons was we got some great listener questions, as always. Uh, if you guys have any questions, please send them to us either on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. Or you can email us at basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and a huge thanks again to Andrew Parker, who sent one in and then also followed up by rating us on iTunes. Uh, that was awesome. Really appreciate the support there, Mr. Parker. Uh, we're going to talk about your clumps and tigers here to start out. Mike, as you mentioned, 8 p.m. on ABC, this is the marquee matchup of the weekend in college football, really. The number three Clemson Tigers, four-point favorites on the road in Tallahassee against the number 12 Florida State Seminoles. Um, this is the matchup that we've been waiting on in the Atlantic ever since Louisville kind of blew the doors off Florida State and then uh, lost at Clemson there a, couple weeks, a few weeks ago, and um, this is the, the game that has the potential to create that round-robin series of one-loss teams atop the Atlantic that could really almost create a mess for the conference on the national stage. Um, Florida State has had a bit of a rocky road here kind of throughout the season. Um, I guess they already had more than one loss, so that, wouldn't, that would kind of invalidate that scenario. But in any case, this is still a huge, tough matchup for Clemson and I think it might be sneaky kind of low-scoring. What's your take on this game, Mike? What are your expectations?
1: Okay, so this is an interesting matchup, not only because, like you discussed, we've kind of been waiting for it since not only when Florida State played Louisville, but we've really been waiting for this matchup since the preseason. I mean, everybody thought that this was going to be the game that ended up deciding the Atlantic Division. To a degree, it could still be be that potentially in a backwards sort of way, because you can get, like you said, kind of a round robin of one-loss teams, creating a mess for the conference. Everybody's got to figure out the tiebreakers, who beats who, and who wins the Atlantic, and all, all the crazy stuff that could happen here if Florida State ends up knocking off Clemson. But yeah, I mean, this is this is an interesting game. You know, it could go a couple different directions. I think first of all, it's important to note that Wayne Gallman, uh, Clemson's running back, who suffered a concussion there in the first half against NC State a couple of weeks ago. If there's, any, if there's ever a good time to get a concussion, this was it because it was right before the bye week, and he looks like he's practicing this week and should be available. At least Dabo Swinney came out today and said, um, and we're recording here on, on Tuesday, You know, came out today and said, yeah, he, he should be good to go on Saturday. So that's obviously huge for Clemson because we saw in the NC State game, as soon as Gallman went out of the game and they became one-dimensional, they became that much more easy to defend, if that makes sense. I mean, Clemson's offense is never really easy to defend, but when Wayne Gallman's not in, they don't really have anybody to turn to in the running game that they can really rely on with 100% certainty like they do with Wayne Gallman. You know, he's their bell cow, and it was pretty apparent when he left the game that they were a different offense there um, in, in their victory over NC State. So having Gallman back is huge against this Florida State defense. I think being able to, from Clemson's perspective, being able to establish the running game, is is going to be huge in this game because you know if there's anything we know about Florida State, it's that if you can run on them and create the, create the holes in the defense there, uh, through the running game, then the passing game opens up and all of a sudden you have, an offense similar to that that was running with you know with Ole Miss and and what Louisville was able to do once they got Brandon Radcliffe going and then Lamar Jackson of course too in the running game against the Florida State defense so. I think for Clemson, the first thing they're going to have to do is establish a run, try to run Wayne Gallman early and often, and kind of get some Desha- get some easier looks for Deshaun Watson in the run option game before you open up the pass, throw it to Mike Williams, all the talented receivers that they have on that side of the ball. Uh, as for Florida State, the guy got to continue to run the football as well. I mean, I think their offense, in their own right, has been at their best this year. When Dalvin Cooks run the ball well, we saw you know, the last couple of weeks leading up to their bye week last week you know, Dalvin Cook was really starting to get going, and I I think that's really important, especially when you have a young quarterback in DeAndre Francois that, you know, you run the ball well, and I I think Florida State, you know, I'm not really sure what was going on with uh, Dalvin Cook the first few weeks of the season, just didn't really look like himself, but now he's running with a purpose, he looks healthier than he's been all year, and I think that's really important too from Florida State's perspective, so establishing the run game for them, and it's almost more important for them to establish the run with their young quarterback against this really aggressive Tigris front that's going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback all day long. And DeAndre Francois, I think a little bit more pressure will be taken off of them if they're able to establish the run there early. So that's the, that's the initial look at it from my perspective.
0: Yeah, the matchup that I'm really watching here is this Florida State defense trying to get a little healthier and trying to continue some momentum. They, they started out the year uh, really rough kind of given up a whole bunch of yards per play, Ole Miss went for almost six yards per play, Louisville went for over eight, South Florida went for even more than Louisville did, Uh, North Carolina goes for 7.7 yards per play, that's a ton, and just the Florida State defense that has all sorts of talent just getting gashed left and right, the last two games they've come back against Miami giving up 4.6 yards per play, and Wake Forest giving up 3.8, so that's a huge market improvement. Obviously, I think the Clemson offense is going to be way better than what you saw from Wake Forest, but uh, the fact that they were able to do what they did to Miami and do it on the road, uh, that's, that's a good sign, and it's kind of a, a start of a good trend here. So if, if the Florida State defense can keep that up, meanwhile, the Clemson offense started out the year a little bit rough, uh, kind of struggling to get out of the gate against Auburn, Troy, and Georgia Tech. They couldn't get over five-and-a-half yards per play on any of those games. Then they come back against Louisville and Boston College with 8.1 or 8.2 and then 8.3 yards per play on both of those games. I mean, they they were explosive, making huge plays, and then fell like underneath five and a half yards per play again against NC State. So, can you know, was the NC State game the outlier or were the Louisville and Boston College games the outlier here? Um, I think based on what we saw last year, you would tend to think maybe the NC State game was, but. Uh, that's the matchup that I'm really curious to see what happens. Is this Clemson offense and the Florida State defense? Because I think Clemson's defense is going to be stingy enough against a an inconsistent Florida State offense that the Seminoles' best chance to win this game is in a in a low scoring kind of uh, you know drag it out, knock them down, physical you know every point matters kind of game. Um, if if Clemson can really get out and start hitting some big plays. Like, I I don't know that Florida State is going to score 31 points on the Clemson defense right now. So um, I think that's really the key matchup is, can the Florida State defense contain Clemson's offense? And if if they can, I think that this is a very winnable game for Florida State. And if not, I don't know that I really see the path to victory for them right now with just with how they've performed over the last several games.
1: It's kind of crazy to think that Florida State's, best period they've had on offense, really, when you think about it all around, was probably the second half against Ole Miss in the first game of the year, uh, at least against a real opponent, and, and since then, they, they've kind of been on, on this up-and-down trend, and I agree with you. I mean, I think the only way Florida State wins this game is if they get into a low-scoring battle and try to turn Deshaun Watson over, which, you know, might be easier this year than it was last. I mean, the, the way that Deshaun Watson's playing, that's not a complete knock on him. I mean, I think he's still played well this year, but he just hasn't been quite the quarterback that we saw a year ago, even though he's been really good. And part of that is, you know, Watson obviously being a victim of his own success, being so spectacular. Last season, you know, with the 5,000 all-purpose yards, uh, you know, obviously not on that trend this year, but he's still obviously a really good quarterback guy. He's going to make a lot of plays, and he needs to play well for Clemson to win this game. And I think he will, um, you know, for, for, for Florida State, like you said, I mean, the path to consistency for them offensively is when they're running the football well. When they don't run the football well, that's when they get really inconsistent and play the way that we've seen kind of this up and, up and down um, offense that they've had here um, the, the first five or six games of the year. I think if they're able to run the football well, they're going to have a great chance to win this game. The problem is that Clemson's defense, especially against the run, has been so good all year long. Um, they haven't really given up a ton on the ground. And, you know, if that, if that trend continues, it's going to be really tough for Florida State to win, even though they're playing at home. So I, I'm with you. Um, because I think Clemson is going to be able to score on this Florida State defense, and I, I think there could be a scenario here where the Seminoles have a really hard time keeping pace, and if that's the case, you know, I think Clemson can, can win by seven to ten points in this game, but I can also see a scenario where all of a sudden Florida State's able to run the football and they're right in this game. So so it could go one of two ways here. I think it's either gonna be a really close slug em out game or it could turn into a track meet, and I think a track me definitely favors Clemson in this case.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to really knock on the Florida State offense as much as kind of commend the Clemson defense when I say that that that's kind of how I see the game playing out and what needs to happen for the Seminoles. Um, I, I think that's that's really the ultimate uh, piece of this is just that, that Clemson defense is that good that they can kind of hold the thing down and uh, and, and make things tough for a Florida State offense, even on the road. The scenario that I thought about, Mike, um, so we, we should clarify here, we kind of mentioned that Florida State beating Clemson could create this round-robin of one-loss teams. Uh, that's not that's not true. Uh, Florida State has already lost two conference games, including their loss a few weeks ago to North Carolina. <laughs> I
1: forgot about the North Carolina loss.
0: Yeah, so to clarify, you know, we've got to get that piece in. But So here's the scenario I was thinking about, Mike, is – so let's say that Florida State wins this game and Clemson wins out. They go to the ACC championship at 11 and one. Florida State uh, would not be in it at that point. They have two losses. Louisville does not have the tiebreaker over Clemson, so they're 11 and one as well. Maybe they they win out. Clemson goes to the ACC championship game, maybe loses to Virginia Tech or something like this, you know. And it's so Clemson's now 11 and two with losses to Florida State and a, and a Virginia Tech team. They're not the ACC champions. They're probably not in the playoff. Nope. Fair to say? Right.
1: Yeah, that's fair to say.
0: Is Louisville in the playoff? Uh, depends. At Eleven 11-1, not ACC champions?
1: Depends on the Big Ten. I think the scenario that could likely play out in our ACC football podcast, we're not going to dive into the Big Ten real quick, is if Ohio State and Michigan, okay, the winner goes on, plays in the Big Ten championship, and then Wisconsin wins the Big Ten with two losses. Then what do you that's do? A doomsday
0: scenario.
1: then what do you do? So then the say the scenario you just laid out plays out in the ACC and you have a two loss ACC champion, but a one loss Louisville lurking. And then in the Big Ten you have a similar scenario where you have either a one loss Michigan or Ohio State and a two loss Big Ten champion in Wisconsin. What do you do then? I mean, that's doomsday. I mean, that's legitimately doomsday scenario because you look at the other conferences, I mean, the way Washington is playing right now out in the Pac-12, they're the favorites to win that conference. If they win, they're in. Alabama, I mean, they're rolling through everybody right now. There's no reason to think that they're not going to win the SEC. So then that leaves, essentially right now, the ACC and the Big Ten, because the Big 12 this year has obviously taken a step back. So what what do you do in that case? And you don't have a team right now. You know, there were a couple of Um, The group of five teams, you know, everybody was talking about um, Houston, obviously. Well, now, you know, Houston obviously loses, and they're out. And then a team like Notre Dame that plays an independent schedule, they're 2-5, and so they're obviously out. They've been out for quite some time. So look at
0: who they've lost to. They could have a playoff resume, right? Oh, my God.
1: Um, So you look at, I mean, when you look at these teams, though, I think the doomsday scenario that we laid out, the committee would get a pass if there was a group of five team like Houston that went undefeated or only had one loss, and the one loss was, say, to Louisville. They'd have an argument to potentially get in, and then you have a team like Notre Dame, if they went undefeated with their schedule, they'd be in. So there are workarounds in there for the college football playoff committee, but this year, with the way it's playing out, they don't have those workarounds. It could be a real disaster here come college football playoff time. I know there's a lot of football left to be played, but like you said, I mean, it all kind of depends on, you know, who plays well down the stretch here in both the ACC and the Big Ten to decide, A, who's going to get in, because, you know, you could have a two-loss conference champion, essentially, from either conference at this point, and then, B, if that is indeed the case, who's the fourth team? So, that's, I, that's something we're going to yeah. have to watch.
0: I don't mean to create either, you know, any sort of, like, unrealistic scenario. Like, the thought of Clemson losing this game, going on to the ACC championship and losing again, meanwhile Louisville winning out, like that's not an impossible scenario, right? Like that's – you know, there's a good enough team in the Coastal that they could beat Clemson. I mean, this is just uh, just something to think about, just some sort of mental fodder. I got Clemson winning this game, like 31-24.
1: Yeah, I got I, – I don't know what the score is going to be in this one. I, I tend to think if Clemson's going to win, it's going to be higher scoring. I have Clemson winning as well. I, I think anywhere between 6 and 10 points is probably a pretty good bet. And to just piggyback off your last point there, I don't think it's unrealistic to, to present what we present in the ACC. And then likewise in the Big Ten, obviously Ohio State and Michigan, they're playing each other. One of them is going to lose. And then Wisconsin, being in the division they're in in the Big Ten, they're going to be able to get, you know, if they went out, to go to the Big Ten championship. And then you're sitting there with Wisconsin. They have a seven-point loss to Michigan. And then they have an overtime loss to Ohio State. I mean, if they win, if they beat one of those two teams in the Big Ten Championship, then what are we going to be sitting here saying? You know what I mean? So it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, that's for sure.
0: Hey, and as we know of looking at the SEC over the last several years, it's not always who you beat, it's who your quality losses are. So Wisconsin's in really good shape if you look at it that way.
1: And also, an underrated point of that, when you lose to them. And the committee hates mm-hmm. talking about that, but when you lose is almost as important as how you lose and who you lose to, in my opinion.
0: Yep. Yep. Schedule plays in. Number 25, Virginia Tech, a four-point favorite on Thursday on the road at Pittsburgh. This is their second straight road game, Mike, after a, a big win at home last week. Uh, they, they won by three touchdowns over Miami. Now they got to go to Pittsburgh, a place that they haven't always played well over the last several years, and a team that's given them some fits. Uh, an old-school old Big East matchup, if you will. Um, this game... Um, so we we were talking last week and I don't remember if this was on the podcast or if this was in our pre podcast discussions but my thought going into this game was Pittsburgh plus anything like Virginia Tech's going to be favored in this game but playing a, a third game in 12 days second one on the road you know coming off an emotional home win you know things like this like I got to love Pittsburgh to cover here and yet this line is so small and I could still see Virginia Tech winning that I'm not sure
1: how I feel about that, honestly. Well let me let me help you out here. As a Virginia Tech alum, the Hokies have not won at Pittsburgh since nineteen ninety nine. That's seventeen yeah, seventeen years. Um now, of course, you know, when there was the you know, the separation between Big East and ACC, there was a period of time there where Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh just didn't play each other, but Virginia Tech overall is four and six against Pittsburgh since the nineteen ninety nine season and all their wins have come in Blacksburg. They have not beaten Pittsburgh since that year, so pretty remarkable stuff. Now, of course, believe what you want, right? You could say it's House of Horror, similar to what the Carrier Dome is to the Hokies. They've never played well there either, and you know we saw that continue to be the case a couple weeks ago, but this is obviously a different team from the teams that went four and six and winless on the road at Heinz Field, but man oh man I mean it's hard to shake history sometimes and Pittsburgh it's just a weird place to play and some of it you know especially if you get in a close game it's really hard to kick there Um, and we actually saw it in the NFL game this weekend between the Patriots and the Steelers there were missed field goals all over the place Uh, Chris Boswell the kicker for the Steelers missed a couple field goals you had Steven Goskowski who's been automatic the last few years really his entire career, but the last few years, he's been unbelievable um, for for, uh, field goals inside 30 yards, and now what constitutes an extra point in the NFL, and he missed an extra point. The wind really swirls at that field, so if you get in a close game here with Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, that's going to be an underrated element to watch is the kicking game, because not only in, in the switching of field position on punts, but the field goals as well, if you get in a tight game, it comes down to a field goal kicker. You're not necessarily as, as confident as you would be in any other stadium in college football. Um, the, the the wind just really swirls there at Heinz Field, and that's an underrated element to definitely watch here.
0: Mike, as any good Georgia Tech fan knows, Chris Blewett is pretty much automatic, which is crazy for a guy named Blewett. But the, the field goals that I've seen that guy make in the last two years is just infuriating sometimes. <laughs> Watching yep. him hit a school record field goal at the buzzer to beat Georgia Tech last year was just heart-wrenching. Yep. By the way, who who on earth named their kid, blew it, and then set him up to be a college kicker who's actually pretty good? Like, there's all sorts of cognitive dissonance there. Um,
1: <laughs> Somebody I'm screwed really, up bad.
0: Yeah. I'm really curious to see what this Pittsburgh offense does against Virginia Tech. I think that the Hokies are going to be one of the best, if not the best, defense they've played so far, and they've... They've given a lot of teams a lot of problems on offense. Um, and we've talked about how how they've got, like, a unique – a very unique scheme that they're running. I, I look at them and think of them almost as, like, an Auburn from under center kind of thing, where there's a lot of running between the tackles and then a lot of, like, end-around, jet sweep, kind of side-to-side side stuff uh, with probably not as much downfield throwing mixed in, but um, – I'm just—I'm curious to see how Bud Foster's defense handles that versus some of the more traditional offenses we've seen him play, especially you know folks like Miami. Uh, they had a field day defending Miami, and uh, this is kind of a little bit of a a, uh, a changeup to kind of come and face an offense like this. So they—they they get a full week of rest here, um, playing Thursday to Thursday. They get a full seven days, but still, um, I think I'm gonna. Pick Virginia Tech to win this game, but I kind of like Pittsburgh to cover the spread. I think this is a, like a, a dangerously close game for Virginia Tech. They might win it, like kind of the last minute kind of thing. Uh, give me, give me the Hokies thirty-one twenty-eight.
1: I uh, I think Virginia Tech covers, um, but not by much. I, I'm with you. I think this is a this is a tight game, as it always is, between Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, uh, a game that I can see coming down to the wire, uh, may, maybe a touchdown in the last three or four minutes to cover. I mean, I, I think I like Virginia Tech by by less than a touchdown, but with a four-point line right now, I think I still like them to cover, but that's, I mean, that's real tricky. Uh, the, the one X factor to watch in this game, I mean, everybody's going to talk about, okay, James Conner versus the Virginia Tech front seven. I mean, that's obviously going to play a big part in this game, but... Nate Peterman has been low-key excellent this year. Um, 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Um, he, he's he been very good, very efficient throwing the football. He's he's taken care of the ball this year, which has been huge for Pittsburgh, considering their running game uh, is every bit as good as it was a year ago with Olsen, and I'd argue even better because James Conner's a better back. This Pittsburgh offense, it, it's... You, you know, obviously they set up their passing game with, with their running attack, Um it's a conventional pro-style offense, and Nate Peterman isn't going to kill you with his arm. So I, I see a scenario here where if Virginia Tech finds a way to shut down James Connor, uh, this could potentially get ugly, because I'm not necessarily sure that Nate Peterman can can throw Pittsburgh back in the game. With that being said, though, if they're able to establish the run and at least have an adequate rushing attack to open up the passing game for Nate Peterman, I I think Pittsburgh is going to do fine offensively in this game because I I think Peterman will take care of the football, you know, in a a vacuum. I I mean, I think he's not a guy that's going to turn the ball over a ton. So that being said, I think for the Hokies to to win this game going away, they're going to have to turn Pitt over, which isn't an easy task because James Conner is not a guy who fumbles a lot. And Nate Peterman hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions this year, so I, I think the pressure on the quarterback is paramount for the Hokies in this one, and making sure they don't lose Quadri Henderson in the secondary because they had a couple issues there last week against Miami. Amon Richards had a huge, a couple of huge catches for the Hurricanes in that game, even though um, you know they never necessarily threatened the Hokies. There were a couple of longer passes there that. Really, just can't happen uh, against good offenses. And I constitute Pitt as a good offense. I mean, they, they've been explosive this year when they've been at their best. So I think Virginia Tech wins by five or six points in this one, but it's not going to be an easy game for Hokie fans, obviously. And I, I don't think many are expecting it to be an easy game, uh, given the fact that they're going to Heinz Field, where they've had so many problems historically here and haven't won since 99. But I like them to win this game um, maybe by five or six points and, and kind of exercise those demons a little bit and get you know springboard them forward for the rest of the year because you know I I think if Tech wins this game they, they've all but locked up the Coastal Division in my opinion uh, given who's remaining on their schedule.
0: Yeah I think the key here is if Virginia Tech's offense doesn't come out flat I think that they're going to give Pittsburgh's defense a lot of problems and so that's why I think that the Hokies can win but the key again is don't come out flat yeah and that's that's a danger again, kind of in this the way the schedule sets up and with everything else.
1: So. Well, Pittsburgh and r- real quick, just to, just to close it here. I mean, if Gerard Evans has some time to throw and they don't come out flat, Pittsburgh's passing efficiency defense is a hundred and seventh in all of college football. I mean, they're, they're terrible in the secondary, and we've talked about that for is weeks that, on is end that here. Oh, it's not good, Bob. That's like it's really not good. You know, um, just. Yeah, I mean, they're not good in the secondary. So if Tech's able to establish a run, kind of open up the pass here a little bit, and Evans has time to throw, it could be, it could be a long evening for Pittsburgh.
0: Let's move on here, Mike. Catholics versus convicts. Convicts are traveling to the Catholics. Miami, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Notre Dame, 3.30 p.m. on NBC. Uh, I love this game if I'm Miami. I think this has all the makings of a, a get right, like, heal the stuff that ails you kind of game for Miami. Like, if, if this whole thing is not going to go down the tubes after a loss to Florida State, this is where it's got to start if you're Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I get that perspective. I don't, you know, Notre Dame's defense is just so bad. Um, Their the run defense is bad, which bodes well for a running game in Miami that struggled uh, to your get right point. Uh, the passing defense is bad, which bodes well for Brad Kaya because Miami, as we know, doesn't get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Look, if you like offense, if you like good quarterback play, tune into this game because you have two quarterbacks here. They're probably going to be two, two of the top guys selected off the draft board next April. If both choose to come out, which I would expect they both will. Um, These are going to be two of the top quarterbacks on the board, probably two potential first round picks. Um, you know, with this matchup, obviously the wind was taken out of the sails a little bit now that they both have a combined eight losses between the two of them. Um, not good. This was going to be a game that I thought potentially Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, if they were in the playoff race, this is the game that they had to watch out for because I thought Miami would be much improved, which, you know, Miami is improved and maybe not to the degree that we all thought. And Notre Dame is obviously not the team everybody thought they were. So uh, a different matchup. From the beginning of the season till now, it's you know kind of a similar discussion that we had with Clemson, Florida State, obviously, but to a lesser degree. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of passing in this game. Uh, you know, Miami's going to get some members of their front seven back, which is important because they were just completely decimated on their defensive line there last week when they went into Blacksburg. I think it's important that they get some of their some of their key contributors back on that defensive line, I think that'll definitely help because, you know, Notre Dame can't run the ball. So if Miami's able to get pressure on the quarterback, I think it could be a long afternoon for the Irish, even though they are at home. But there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I'd like Miami to win. And since it's only a two-and-a-half point uh, spread here, I, I like them to cover as well.
0: We've talked about the last few weeks how much trouble Miami's had running the ball the last few games. Um... And I kind of have to think that this is where that ends. I think this is where – and maybe maybe it restarts at some point later in the year, but, um, like, I just – I have no faith in the Notre Dame defense to stop what Miami's going to try to do on offense. Um, and I realize that Miami's had so many problems with, uh, with their offensive line and, and not only blocking in the pass game but even in the rushing game that, um, Notre Dame has only held one team under 125 yards on the ground this year. They've only held two teams under 150 yards on the ground. And Miami is going to be one of the more talented offenses they've faced. Um, Yeah. um, Miami, I I think this sets up well for them. Um, As you mentioned, if they can get pressure on uh, Deshaun Kaiser, they're going to be in good shape. Um, and, And with Manny Diaz's uh, style I guess you know they, they play a very aggressive style they like to blitz and send pressure and stuff I don't think that's going to be an issue I do think that this could very easily turn into a bit of a track meet uh, a bit of a high scoring kind of shootout game um, but ultimately I, I love Miami to win this game which feels super weird to say given the, the three game stretch they're coming off of and kind of what we've seen them do the last few weeks but coming off of a, a little bit of extra rest after playing Thursday night last week And even going on the road, I mean, I think this Notre Dame team is is struggling so much that I think Miami can get it done here. Um, Give me the Hurricanes uh, 38-31. Kind of a high-scoring shootout kind of game. Does that sound right?
1: You'll take the over on that one then, huh?
0: Yeah, total's at 58.5 right now. Um, that would put me at 69 points nice.
1: Clearing it. Fi- and, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Cle- yeah. Clearing kind of like clearing
1: it nicely sure. there, <laughs> so to speak.
0: I, I, love, I love Miami to cover 2.5 a, a lot more than I like uh, the 58.5, though, for what that's worth.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll yeah, leave it at that, small right? Small chance. What's that? Well, I said we'll leave it at that, yeah.
0: Fair enough. Um <laughs> I will say I think there's a small chance that the Miami defense could totally just smother the Notre Dame offense. Um, not necessarily a great chance, especially unless Miami can get healthier on the defensive line, but um, I think this is a bad matchup for Notre Dame for what that's worth.
1: A lot of points, though.
0: Yeah. Nice. Get on that over.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, take the over. Always take the over.
0: <laughs> Speaking of lots of points... That's a perfect transition. We're getting better at this, Mike. We are. Number five, Louisville, a 31.5-point favorite on the road at Virginia at high noon on ABC and ESPN2. I think this is a regional one, so depending on where you are, it'll be on one of those two channels. Man, Lamar Jackson and that Louisville offense, they got right back on track last week, and I just don't really have any reason to believe that Virginia can make any sort of a a different effort here.
1: Yeah, it's... You know, it's nice that the game's going to be either on ABC or ESPN, too, because um, you'll have something to tune in for for about 15 minutes before uh, the next game starts. Um, oh, the over-under, 69 in this game as well. Nice. Um, Louisville, 31.5-point favorites. Look, at the over-under 69 in this game. Louisville can score 69 by themselves, potentially. Um, they're going to score a lot of points, Joey. I mean, they, they put up 41 in the first half against NC State. NC State's got a pretty decent defense. Their defense is a hell of a lot better than Virginia's. And I don't care that that game was at home. Louisville's going to score on you. I mean, they don't care where they play you. Home, on the road, they'll play you in the you know, church parking lot. I mean, it's not going to matter. Uh, Virginia, they can't get pressure on the quarterback. That's a problem because Lamar Jackson can either, A, pick you apart, or B, run all over you. I think he does both in this game. I think he scores four or five touchdowns by himself. This is going to be a route. Um, I Louisville to cover. I have no reason to think, uh, really, Virginia covers his spread unless they're able to run the football against Louisville's defense, which I don't see happening. I think the only way that Virginia uh, not keeps it close but keeps it respectable is if they sit on the football. Um, and that's kind of been the recipe to keeping games close against teams that score this score this much like Louisville does but I don't see Virginia being able to possess the ball long enough in this game um, to cover the spread I mean that's kind of what it boils down to because uh, you got to score points in the red zone which I, I think Virginia can do but I think their problem is going to be sustaining drives and if they can't sustain drives in this game and they keep going three and out and giving the ball back to Louisville Louisville's going to score in about 35 seconds and you're going to be down by a few touchdowns before you even blink so I think that's a uh, Pretty highly likely scenario in this game. I love Louisville. I love them to cover. Um, I think they win this one big.
0: Yeah, all sorts of reason to think that they will. Um, I don't. I don't totally trust them to go over that point total. Actually, um, I think that the Louisville defense can very much be like opportunistic enough to keep the the Virginia score down. Um, but I definitely think that there's plenty of reason to to believe that louisville could easily put up 50 by themselves um and i mean last week they were a 20 point favorite uh, at home against nc state and they won by what was it 41 points yeah uh virginia is not as good as nc state and i guess this is on the road so that's your big difference but yeah i think the uh I think the uh, the Louisville freight train from hell offense is, is uh, just gonna cruise right on through Charlottesville this weekend. I don't I don't think this is a close one. I think this gets ugly real quick. Um, you know, as much as I, I say that, I'm not totally sure if they can cover this. Just that's a ton of points. I think I'm gonna pick them to do it. But, yeah. Uh, Louisville fifty six. Virginia what seventeen was that thirty nine? Yeah, that'll work. That will work. And it goes over. Yes, sir. Yeah. Louisville 56, Virginia 17, that's going to be ugly. That's going to get real bad. That's going to so be bad, yeah. If you get bored watching whatever else you're watching at noon and you just want to see a whole bunch of points and you want to see Lamar Jackson like jump over like, the entire defensive line or something like that, it'd be like it's like a dunk contest. Yeah, go watch that game.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is kind of the point in time like before the the mid afternoon games. This is like okay, well, Louisville and Virginia is on. We can watch that for fifteen minutes so we can run out and get more beer. It's it's one of those types of games. Like oh okay, Louisville just scored for the third time in two and a half minutes. Uh, let's go grab more beer. I, I think that's going to be the type of game this is.
0: Over under seven and a half offensive snaps that it takes Louisville to score their first touchdown. Under. You thinking like
1: five or six years? Yeah, I was going to say five.
0: They'll rip off a few big plays and that'll be it. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe That's hit a bad. couple long pass plays and then Jackson runs it in, similar to what they did last week maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, okay, we'll hear how about this, over under two and a half minutes for their first touchdown. Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, That's a tougher one in my opinion.
0: That, that is a tougher one. Two and a half minutes of possession because we don't know who will start with the ball. Right, yeah, um, yeah, right. I'll go over. Nice. Go over and close. Like, still under three minutes, but more than two and a half.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a harder one, though.
0: <laughs> if you guys find some crazy prop bets, definitely send those to us, because we are all about those. Yeah,
1: and, and we completely make them up, too, so let's we'll continue doing oh, that.
0: Man. Oh, this is all totally off the cuff. All right, Mike, let's move on. And a game that and a team, really, that I'm always just terrified to talk about. Uh, The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, my Yellow Jackets, they're at home. The Duke Blue Devils are on the road at Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets are six-and-a-half-point favorites at high noon on ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. This is the homecoming game for Georgia Tech. Both teams are coming off bye weeks. Um, Georgia Tech was really kind of starting to click on offense before going into the bye week. They performed well against Pittsburgh. They performed well against... Uh, Georgia Southern. Duke, on the other hand, has kind of been hanging around. Um, they haven't really done a ton on offense, but their defense is actually really pretty stingy, pretty uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty disciplined. Um, they'll cause a lot of problems for a lot of units. So um, I, I'm worried about this game from that standpoint as a Georgia Tech fan. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, as bad as Duke has been on offense – Georgia Tech's defense has been pretty inefficient. Um, they they play this bend don't break style, and then they end up breaking a whole lot, which totally just defeats the purpose and ruins the whole thing. It's uh, the
1: it's the break now or break later style.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ted Roof. Um, <laughs>
1: Roof's caving in. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm not the first um, one to make that joke, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> well, I think his nickname at one point was the Leaky Roof. There you defense,
1: go. So. There you go. I'm late. I'm late to the party there.
0: Well, still a party, though. Still Uh, a party, yeah. I will say that this game opened up as Georgia Tech was like a nine-point favorite or something like that. It's come down pretty quickly to six and a half. I think if you can get this game inside of a touchdown, I kind of like Georgia Tech to cover that. But then again, we were talking before this, and it's like I don't know the last time that I've seen a game where I felt really, really good that Georgia Tech was going to cover us.
1: I'd feel really confident about the under on 50 and a half. Are you kidding me? That seems, cra- that seems crazy to me. So you're essentially banking on either one of these teams scoring 30 points and the other team scoring in the, in the 20s. I mean, I can see a scenario here where it's like 20 to 13 or 20 to 16 or, or something along those lines. I don't see something wild would have to happen, in my opinion, for Georgia Tech and Duke to get anywhere near the 50-and-a-half number. I mean, it would have to, I don't know, man. I, I just don't see either of these offenses being explosive enough to, to get in the end zone three or four times, which is what you would need to cover that. Um,
0: Mike, it was two-and-a-half weeks ago that I watched a, a Georgia Southern offense that has generally been pretty garbage this year, put up 24 points on Ted Moose Yeah, that's, so that's, that's fair. Anything that, is possible.
1: That's fair enough. Um, Duke's going into Atlanta with a freshman quarterback who's been decent. I mean, I think Daniel Jones, we can both agree, has been pretty good, right, for a freshman. I mean, it's... He's been fine. He's been fine. I mean, he hasn't necessarily, you know jumped off the page at you, but he's been fine, uh, man, see, the the whole issue I have with this is, like, I still know nothing about Duke, you know, um, there are some metrics that point to Duke being okay, and then Georgia Tech, I feel like I'm watching a different team every week, which makes it, which makes it hard, um, Defensively, to your point, they've been pretty pretty inefficient on that side of the ball. That bodes well for Duke scoring some points, but I don't think they score enough. I think Justin Thomas commands the Georgia Tech offense into the end zone a few more times. I like Georgia Tech to cover six and a half, maybe win by yeah, like barely cover six and a half, though, like maybe win by seven or eight points. Um, And I like the under on fifty and a half. I think. I understand your Georgia Southern point, but I don't think there's any way these these teams get close to that. I mean, I could see like an ugly, low-scoring, like twenty to thirteen game, something along those lines.
0: I will say this is a must-win game for for Paul Johnson.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, yeah, absolutely. You talk
0: yes. about. So first of all, Georgia Tech at four and three, they got to win twice more to be bowl eligible. The two obvious candidates to do that against are Duke and Virginia. Um, If you don't do that, it it immediately becomes a pretty dangerous road trying to get to that six wins with the other games left being against North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Georgia. Um, So there's that whole element to it, not to mention that it's homecoming and you're going to have everybody important in attendance there live and in person. So you better not lay an egg there. Um, I think that generally this, this is a great opportunity for them as well to kind of build some momentum going into the back half of their schedule um duke offensively so so they obviously they gave louisville a lot of problems especially on defense and one of the things that they really did to to cause a lot of problems in that game was really just they just sat on the ball they just slowed the game down um duke only ran 60 plays which uh, on offense which is you know a whole bunch actually for the pace that they were playing um but offensively, Duke has only managed more than 5.1 yards per play twice this year. And, Mike, you're going to hate me for saying this because it was against NC Central and Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, both of those games, they averaged over six yards per play. Somehow the Notre Dame game was like their high watermark on yards per play on offense so far. You're right, though, to say that like, it's, it feels like we don't know a ton about Duke. And it feels weird to say that as we you know Halloween weekend – and yet, through seven games, they've played NC Central, Wake Forest, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Virginia, Army, and Louisville. And outside of giving Louisville some problems, like there hasn't been a great sense of consistency on like what you're going to get from them week to week, and maybe that's what you know, comes with a freshman quarterback and some things like this. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think Georgia Tech gets it done here. I think they have to get it done. I think they will. Um, I think it'll be fine. It'll be, fine. Mike, it'll be fine. It'll
1: be fine. I think it'll be fine. That's convincing, huh? I think it'll be fine, Mike. I think it'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Georgia Tech to win the homecoming game and and get to to five wins and hopefully set up for a a good run in November. Maybe win, go two and two across those games and get to seven wins. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, Georgia Tech covers seven. We'll say 31-21. Nice. Which goes to 62, or 52 points, which you bastard. Goes over.
1: You bastard. Yeah. I don't know. What you got here? Like
0: 24 13?
1: Yeah, something like that. I mean, I think George Tech probably wins by 7 or 8 points. So I guess by my math, 24 or 13 would be an 11 point win. So let's try to fix this here. Uh, let's say. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. That's right. Math. Um. Hashtag math. Uh, let's go uh, 21-13 Georgia Tech. Now, it could go okay. over, uh, real quick, it could go over, you know, if Duke ends up scoring points and, you know, being a weirdly good offense. But I just, I don't know anything about him, I don't trust him. So, 21-13 Georgia Tech.
0: It's crazy how quickly this series has gone from, like, auto win on the schedule to, like, God, we got to break this losing streak if you're Georgia Tech. like Paul Johnson was undefeated against Duke the first six years he was on campus, and now they're on a two-game losing streak in that series.
1: Yeah, it's really turned.
0: Duke even managed to beat that vaunted 2014 Georgia Tech team, so there's that.
1: That was weird, too.
0: Anyways, let's talk about another really interesting football game involving an option team, probably low-scoring. The Army Black Knights on the road at the Wake Forest steam and Deacons, Mike. The steam and Deacs, uh, baby. Wake Forest six-and-a-half-point favorites. This is at 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. Um, the total in this game is 41-and-a-half, and I think you and I are both oh under.
1: Way under. Good God.
0: A Stingy defenses and conservative offenses. And this game might be over in like two and a half hours.
1: Yeah, no, I know. Because, I mean, they're just going to run the ball into oblivion because neither team can throw. Um,
0: over under 25 combined pass attempts from these two teams. Uh,
1: oh, my God. Uh, over. Um, yeah, over because of John Walford, I guess. Man, this is, I don't know, man. 25. That's that's tough. I, I know it sounds crazy. It's tough.
0: I'll Wake take, Forest has gone over 25 pass attempts in four out of seven games so far this year.
1: So it's an absolute crap shoot. <laughs> yeah. And Army just never throws. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, I'll take the over. I think it's because, honestly, because Wake Forest probably has this false sense of, like, Security in their mind, they're like, "Oh, we can throw all over," or I'm looking at Boston College. They can throw all over them too, Um, throw all over Army's defense, and you know, then they remember their Wake Forest and their their receiving core isn't exactly uh, prestigious. I guess, like, I I really like Wake Forest, but I like them for the identity that they've shown here. We're gonna run the ball a ton. We're gonna play really good defense against the run. We're going to grind it out. We're not going to get blown out in any games, but we're not going to run away with any games either. Um, so, I don't know. I like Wake Forest in this game. I, I think they'll be able to stop Army's rushing attack. I think Army, you know, to, to their credit, you know, they have one of the better rushing attacks in all of college football. But I think Wake Forest has has proved, like you, you know, with with their running defense, that they can stop teams like this that run the ball like this. And I think because of that, Wake Forest wins this game. And I think they cover the spread as well. But I think this is going. To, way under, like, 41 and a half. I think that's crazy to me. Um, so give me give me Wake Forest, like, mm, 17 to 6.
0: Yeah. We've, we've talked about on this show that the that Army has been actually halfway decent this year, which, um, you know, it's that, that, a huge step up um, under Jeff Munkin, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, Army, I just, I don't think that they have the the firepower on offense uh, to, to beat a, a very disciplined Wake Forest defense. Um, this won't get very high scoring and such, but Army's had some trouble running the ball against some less vaunted defenses at times, so I've got every reason to think that, that Wake Forest will be able to kind of smother them a little bit here. Uh, the Army defense is also not half bad. Um, they've given a lot of teams a lot of problems as well, and so I I don't know that Wake Forest is going to be able to get out and just make it a total blowout, but uh, I think this is a comfortable win for Wake Forest. Um, I'll take them something like, uh, well, I was thinking go under, but, yeah, what's 24-13 is, what, 37 points? That's right, still under. Yeah, twenty four thirteen. Wake Forest. I think they'll they'll get a little bit something going, and maybe Army gets a late score or something like that. But generally, a pretty pretty low scoring contest. But I, I really like Wake Forest to cover here. I think Army might be a little overrated, and Wake Forest maybe a little underrated. Uh, so Wake Forest by at least a touchdown for for sure here.
1: One last prop bet here, Joey. Over under twenty minutes of game action that you will watch of this game live Ooh. live because. I know we, see, we watch a lot of reruns and highlights and that sort of thing for the games we don't catch.
0: Man, these lines are coming hot from the uh, Basketball Conference Sportsbook. Um, <laughs>
1: Which is now a thing, by the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes of real time, you said?
1: Uh, I said game time. We can make it real time, though.
0: Either way, under. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Either
1: way, not watching it. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: probably not. Um, yeah, I'm in Atlanta this weekend, actually, again, for another wedding. Thanks, thanks Obama. Um, for the weddings, but um, yeah, so I'll be I'll be busy in the afternoon. I still haven't figured out my logistics for watching this Georgia Tech game. It's weird that it's at noon because the wedding is like an hour north of town, and so you figure the game will end at like three thirty. Wedding's at like five thirty. I got to drive an hour to get there and then get ready and somehow not make my wife mad and like be there on time and stuff. So like I don't I don't know. That seems like a stretch. So maybe just. Sit around right up there at a bar and watch it or something. I don't well,
1: know. well, we've had this conversation before, but um, the Reddit College Football Twitter page, show, I don't know if you saw it last weekend, but it said uh, it had a picture of just like a fall wedding scene. It said stop fall weddings, hashtag because there are three other seasons, which I can totally get behind um, because, of course, ladies, there's football on. So,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, that's – hey, man. Figure out the logistics of that. Still got to watch your boys play.
0: Absolutely. Well, luckily the father of the bride is like a front of the rumble seat reader, and probably won't be pissed off if he finds me watching college football at the table at the reception. So
1: major key, big help.
0: <laughs> got him on my side. Yes, sir. Last game here, Mike. Boston College, the Eagles, uh, fresh off another heartbreaking loss to Syracuse, uh, 15-point underdogs on the road at NC State, the Wolfpack. Uh, the the hosts here twelve thirty p.m. ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. Does Boston College have a pulse at all? Especially if Patrick Toll's can't play, which we don't really know right now if he can.
1: Yeah. So shameless plug. Okay. First of all, t- to your Patrick Toll's point, I don't think it matters. But um, <laughs> back to <laughs> does he
0: have a pulse? It doesn't matter. It does,
1: well, no. I mean, not completely what I meant. I mean, I hope he has. <laughs> Oh man, I hope he has a. I hope he has a pulse. I bet as far as <laughs> from from Boston College's perspective, I don't think it matters. Uh, anyway, you could have a uh, a kid dressed up in a Boston College Halloween concert uh, costume taking snaps back there, and he'll do just as well throwing the football as Patrick Toll's you know four for 14, 52 yard performance or whatever the hell it was last weekend. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh Shameless plug here, I wrote over on InsideTheACC.com, I don't think Boston College is winning a game in conference play this year. That was one of my three takeaways from last weekend's games. Um, And the reason why is because I think Syracuse actually presented the best chance for Boston College to win a conference game this year, and they weren't able to get it done. Um, I I don't think they're winning this game against NC State. Uh, For those of you Boston College followers uh, that – or listening to this podcast, some of you are going to say, hey, Wake Forest, well, here's the problem. Boston College's best source of offense is the running game, and Wake Forest's strength is their run defense. So until Boston College can prove they can throw the football further than 15 yards down the field and throw for more than like 135 yards a game, I'm not picking them to win. Um, they're not going to do that against NC State in this game the Wolfpack are running away. Does Boston College have a pulse? I mean, I guess defensively they kind of do, but it's not going to matter in this one because NC State's got a pretty solid offense, a pretty good running attack. Ryan Finley's gaining confidence at the quarterback position, even though he had a rough go of it last weekend against Clemson, or excuse me, Louisville. Um, I, I, I think that you know, NC State's offense is going to have enough in the tank here to win this game against Boston College going away. They're 15-point favorites. I like to think that it's in the neighborhood of two touchdowns. I like them to cover the spread, but this is another one of those games where I think they barely cover because I think BC will try to sit on the ball, which is a recipe for success against an NC State team that doesn't score a ton of points to begin with. but. They'll score enough here to get the job done against a Boston college team that's really struggling right now. So I'd like NC State to win and to cover. Uh, let's see. Give me like 23-10, NC State. Um, kind of a weird Wait, that, does, yeah, that doesn't make them... Actually, no, that that doesn't work because then they don't cover. Give me 26-10 uh, because then they do cover by about a point, which is if they cover in this game, I think that's... the kind of score it would be only by like a point or two so uh give me like 26 to 10
0: you know that's kind of a weird score and yet i could totally see them getting there if they like manage a safety on the boston college offense which is not impossible um (laughs) so i i think that there's there's a weird angle to this that could actually sneaky kind of work in boston college's favor and i don't mean this as like a slight on Patrick Tolles or anything like that is if if Tolles cannot go for Boston College, and that means Darius Wade is the starter for the Eagles, it might require Adazio to change up what they're doing offensively um, and run a little more, you know, read option, kind of get the quarterback involved in the running game. And it's something that obviously NC State has seen so far this year, but maybe something they're not totally preparing for right now. So that might kind of throw them for a loop. Um, and at that point, I mean, it's, it's also kind of an offensive scheme that we haven't really seen a ton of uh, with Patrick Tolles at the at the Helms this year. Um, that being said, I, I still don't know that it's really enough to keep this a game with NC State. I mean, I, I think, like you said, I mean, the, the Boston College-Syracuse game, I mean, that was... Boston College's best chance at an ACC win this year. I don't think they get it done against Wake Forest. I don't think they get it done anywhere else. I think nope. they're, I think they're heading straight for another O and A conference conference record. Um, and yeah, I think NC State's gonna be able to score a bunch of points in this game. A bunch as as far as relative relative to the uh, Boston College defense and what they do. I think if they can manage like twenty eight points. Maybe even only 24. They could probably cover here. Um, I'll take NC State to win uh, 24 to six. They cover 24 to six. They will cover, and they will keep Boston College out of the end zone. Not Unless hard. Boston College goes for like a late game two point conversion to make it like a try to make it like a three score game, but no. Give me well, NC State 24-6. Low scoring, but uh, winners.
1: You're going to be uh, at a wedding. I'm going to be uh, going to some bars for Halloween, like an early Halloween type thing. Um, I think you and I will both be keeping Boston College out of the end zone by ourselves. So if we can do it, I think NC State will find a way.
0: You should dress up as Scott Leffler for Halloween and just do nothing offensive. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just be nice to everybody.
0: You see what I did there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, I got it. Coordinator Scott Leffler. Nothing offensive. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, Last thing we got to do here, Mike, before we get out of here. Odds and wagers are ACC picks of the week. So it was a winning week around here last week. Uh, You and Dan Rubin both took Virginia Tech minus six. Of course, they won by three touchdowns. That was a winner. I took Louisville and NC State to go over 65 points. Louisville kicks a late game field goal to make it 67. Thank you, Bobby Petrino, and your uh, ruthlessness in late game situations. Um, so yeah, it was a winning week. So that puts you up to three and five. I'm at six and one. Uh, Dan Dan Rubin now at one and zero, oh, trumping Mr. Cam Underwood at zero oh and two. Cam, come back soon. We gotta uh, we gotta get you in the wind column at some point here. Um, Mike, I think I went first last week, so I think the board is yours on what you want to take as your ACC pick of the week.
1: Yeah, and the uh, Basketball Conference sports book is remarkably bullish on me getting my fourth win of the year. I'm something like five <laughs> to two odds, I think, which is, I mean, pretty solid, right? Um,
0: we'll put that on a Twitter poll. We'll see what they think.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, maybe I just think They're bullish on me here um (laughs) uh, we were talking before before this um the before we started recording here i hate the four point line clemson florida state because i can see that game going a couple different directions as far as like if you're going to put real money on this uh clemson florida state over under 60 and a half don't want to touch that don't want to touch the four points there virginia tech giving four don't love that um 56-and-a-half, you know, if this turns into Virginia Tech going up and down the field on Pittsburgh, you could see the over, but by the same token, you could see a slug-em-out game like they usually have going under, so you don't want to touch that line either. Miami and Notre Dame, this is this is the one, Joey, uh, that I'm really intrigued by. 58-and-a-half. Uh, That's a lot of points on the over-under um so
0: much so much sighing on this podcast (laughs) yeah
1: because man these lines are just annoying me this week because they're starting to get really good
0: they're getting good they're getting good uh i will say for miami and notre dame notre dame actually opened as a one point favorite and it swung all the way to miami by two and a half
1: yeah that's pretty that's that's a pretty crazy swing but not even god trust notre dame's defense right now uh Clearly. Yeah, clear. Yeah, clear. Clearly, that that was that's implied. Uh, okay, I'm going. Uh, you were trying to talk me out of this earlier. I'm going under on the Georgia Tech Duke game for the fifty and a half point total. Um, I'm taking the under. I don't think they get there. I have no reason to believe that a Georgia Tech scores enough points uh, to get to thirty, which would really threaten it. Um, and then I don't think Duke – I don't know about Duke, but I don't trust them enough to score 20 points. So because of that, I'm taking the under on fifty and a half and a half between Georgia Tech and Duke.
0: I just worry about that matchup. David Cutcliffe has given this team so many problems the last few years. Um, all right, so you got under fifty and a half and a half Duke at Georgia Tech. There are two lines that, as much as these are really good, there's two spreads that I really like here. It's Miami by 2.5 and and Wake Forest by 6.5. Miami inside of a field goal, I'm all about that. Wake Forest inside of a touchdown, I'm all about that. Uh, As far as which one I want to go with, I think I actually trust Wake Forest more than I trust Miami here. Um, Miami on a three-game losing streak going on the road to South Bend. Meanwhile, Wake Forest at home against a group of five team. So my pick of the week is Wake Forest covering six and a half at home against Army. You I mean, what well, might be a very low-scoring game and, and uh, might not go over the total of 41 and a half there. But uh, yeah, give me the give me the Deacons. I'm I'm riding Steam and the, the Steaming Deeks. and Deacons hype train, Mike. Yes, sir. All aboard.
1: All aboard.
0: All right, good deal. So you're you're hitting up bars this weekend doing the Halloween thing. Uh, if I got that right. Yes, sir. All right, yeah. I'll be in Atlanta doing the wedding thing again. Um, Also got to work on buying a new car. That's a whole other story for a different podcast. But uh, anyways. Our basketball um,
1: conference Joey Buys a Car segment. um, That'll be next week.
0: Yeah, if any of you guys got sweet deals on your cars, send those to us on Twitter. I'm at (laughs) FTRSJoey. We're really just inviting anything at this point in time. Uh, Yeah. Please join us uh, on Twitter on uh, on email. I guess that's a social media platform. Anyways,
1: hit us up on email.
0: Uh, hit us up on that that gmail dot com. Um, Mike, you got anything else before we get out of here? Uh,
1: no. I mean, this episode we established the basketball conference sports book, which pretty damn exciting, I must say.
0: Absolutely, um, It's gonna make all sorts of money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not once again, shout great out great to. Shout out to What's-His-Name, who left us a review. Forget his name already.
0: Mr. Andrew Parker. How Andrew you Parker, yeah. Name?
1: I know. I'm bad Writing with names. Writing in
0: questions and leaving us reviews on iTunes. We'll, we'll shout you out if you, uh, if you leave us a review on iTunes. That, that is a promise. And yeah. Speaking of which, I have to thank Mr. Dan Rubenstein of The Solid Verbal, who okay. gave me a shout out on The Solid Verbal this week after I left them a review on iTunes. So Very nice. Share the love, you guys. Very we, nice. Uh, leave us a review. We'll, we'll call you out. Yeah, I mean, like one star review. If you're a hater, that's fine too.
1: Yeah, I mean we'll give him a review and then, you know, there's like a twenty seven percent chance I'll get your name right. And if I don't, Joey'll tell me what your name is. And I'll take the under. Yeah, take take the under. Uh basketball conference sports book uh name segment or section. I don't know how we want to do that. Uh depends on how you characterize it, but we're rambling at this point.
0: Mike, I think that about does it for this week. Yeah. <laughs> about that time.
1: It's it's definitely that time.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, Mike, this has been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back uh, early next week, probably, I would guess it'll probably have to be Monday evening, uh, maybe Tuesday morning before we can get the recap posted, just with my travel. But uh, we'll be back next week to uh, recap week nine, and then we'll do another show to preview week 10. And, uh... We'll see what all that has in store for us. It looks like it's going to be a fun weekend in the ACC, though, so I uh, hope everybody enjoys the games here.
1: Yeah, uh, good games across the board. Everybody watch that Clemson-Florida State game if you're going to pick one game all weekend. Hopefully I'm not the one that had to tell you that to convince you to do it. But if you are if you don't have anything going on, not going to any crazy weddings, not going drinking like I am, watch that game on Saturday night.
0: There's good stuff all day on Saturday, actually. We get started sure on Thursday with Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, and then Watch Lamar Jackson score eight touchdowns at noon, and then watch Miami and Notre Dame at three thirty, and then Clemson, Fortis State at eight. That'll keep you busy all day long. That's awesome.
1: Yep. Now that they're good games all on all day, so if you got nothing to do, want to burn eight or nine hours watching football? Be my guest. That's what I would do.
0: Well, there you go. That might be what you actually do.
1: Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Handicap that around seventy-seven percent chance. <laughs> we'll just keep. We'll just keep this going. You know.
0: Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> All right, Mike. This has been fun. We'll uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. All right. Until then, you guys can reach us on Twitter. Again, we said I'm at ftrsjoey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Send us an email. The uh, longest email address known to man: basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe on iTunes and on Google Play. Send us, uh, you know, leave us a review, leave us a rating, everything like that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, love us or hate us, whatever. Just let us know how we're doing. Uh, But until next week, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Go ACC!